All right, well, Happy New Year once again. Uh, if you open up your Bibles, or if you just look in your bulletin, you're going to see uh, in the Pew Bibles, page 811, we're looking at Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses 5. It says through 15. We're just going to go through 13. Uh, that was my bad. We just printed a couple extra verses. So it's a bonus day, first day of the year. How about that? Um, I thought it'd be good for us to begin this new year with a topic that I think could help us most in 2017. Today we will look at prayer, and not just any prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer because it's the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray. Now, you may notice this sermon is titled The Child's Prayer. Why, why is that? Well, it makes sense when you notice that the prayer of the Lord that he's modeling to us is the prayer of the children of God. And as I read through this, and as you listen, you will notice how many times Jesus says that we're to pray to God, our Father. What a great reminder this is for us, that the almighty, glorious, creator God of the universe is to be approached through Christ as our Father. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us. Jesus, we thank you that you have taught your people to pray. And Holy Spirit, we depend upon you uh, that our prayers may be efficacious and powerful through Christ. May we understand more and more the joy of prayer. Uh, May we not sense it as a burden, but rather as a delight. And may you help us to understand these words, that we may treasure them uh, and honor you in them, we pray. Amen. And when you pray, three times Jesus says this in verse 5, and when you pray, in verse 6, but when you pray, and in verse 7, and when you pray. Jesus assumed his disciples would pray. Imagine if you're one of those first disciples sitting up on the mountaintop in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and you heard Jesus say, and when you pray. What would pop into your head? No doubt you had would be perhaps a bit perplexed. 
As a first century Jew, you would have seen a lot of different models for what prayer could look like. You would have seen the religious Jews that Jesus is talking about here, who are at the synagogue or on the street corner, and they're praying so everyone can see them. And then there's the Gentile pagans who prayed long, long incantations. And um, you would have a lot of different models for prayer. But then you would also know, as you just heard in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus tends to be someone who turns what's normal for us uh, upside down on its head. In the Sermon on the Mount, he had just been telling them that by simply thinking angry thoughts, you can commit murder in your heart. He, he said that if someone takes your tunic, well, you're to give them your cloak as well. And he said instead of fighting or hating your enemies, you're to love your enemies. You're to pray for those who persecute you. And so no doubt, Jesus has some revolutionary approach to prayer as well. And as in Luke's account, his disciples even come to Jesus and they, they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. It's kind of a comforting thought to know that Jesus' own disciples needed help with prayer. I think if we're all honest, we would admit that we need help with our prayers too. You know, when asked... Um, Christians, what part of your life would you like to improve? Most people towards the top of the list would put down prayer. This morning we're going to investigate Jesus' words so that we can listen and learn from him and by his grace endeavor more and more to mature in our prayer lives. May we see that the Lord's prayer really is also the child's prayer. And may we see that since God is now our Heavenly Father, we may draw near to Him in prayer. We're going to divide our time in three areas. We're going to look at the invitation, the reward, and then the pattern. First, the invitation. You know, I think one thing that can really change our prayer life is when we begin to see prayer the way in which Jesus wants us to see prayer. We are to see prayer as an invitation into the very blessedness of the Trinity. What do I mean? The Lord's Prayer is not so much a command, a command to pray, but rather it's an invitation to pray. An invitation to share in the prayer life of Jesus himself. To share in the divine nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one, but one God, and he is in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is communal. For all eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have dwelt in perfect unity and peace and joy. In the Godhead, there is perfect knowledge and perfect contentment and peace. Prior to taking on flesh for our sake, Jesus existed as the eternal Father's eternal Son. When Jesus came to earth, he walked in the flesh. That which was one time outside of time and space has now entered into time and space. And yet his close communion with his Father remained. Jesus, filled with the Spirit beyond measure, communed with the Father through prayer. As one gospel writer wrote, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus, the divine son, while on earth, literally spoke with his father in heaven. 
And it was through prayer that Jesus was, was strengthened from above. So this tells us that God is, on the one hand, intimately present in this world, but also utterly beyond it. N.T. Wright says, He, that's God, He is present to celebrate with His people and to grieve with them, to give them His rich blessings and to rescue them from all ills because He is sovereign over heaven and earth, sea and dry land, all the powers of this world, and even over the urgings of the human heart. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation to know this God and to share his innermost life. Through Jesus, the very life-giving presence of God becomes ours. Now, did you notice that Jesus didn't say, now when you pray, pray to my Father, (laughs) right? We aren't to pray, uh, dear Father of Jesus. (laughs) Throughout this short passage, Jesus repeatedly says that we're to pray to your Father, our Father. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, heaven's doors are open wide to us. We are invited in to the presence of God Almighty. The very Godhead welcomes us. You know, if you sense in your life that there is a a wide chasm between what your prayer life is and what you know it could be, perhaps knowing that prayer isn't so much a command as it is a welcome might just change that, right? If Christ has given you new life, then you are now a child of God. He loves you like a father loves his child. The Father loves you with the same love that he has for his only begotten Son, Jesus. You know, I think some of us would benefit just by simply sitting before God and saying, is it true? Your word says time and time again that through Christ you are my Father. Uh, Help me to understand that. Help me to believe that. Help me to receive that. Help me to walk in that. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation to draw near to your Heavenly Father. Now for the reward. Our time in prayer is rewarding. We need to know this, right? We are people who like rewards. A Christian psychiatrist, David Wall, explained to his pastor friend, Richard Henson, that there are four major factors that undergird any behavior that you have. Not just prayer, any behavior. And these four factors can be stated in the form of questions. Will it work for me? Can I do it? What's it worth to me? And what will it cost me? Jesus answers the third question, what's it worth to me? By saying there is a reward uh, from heaven for your prayers. Verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You know, in Jesus' day, there were hyper-religious Jews who prided themselves in their religious performance, and they liked to show it off to others by standing out in public so they could be seen praying. 
Jesus says they've earned their, they've received their reward. What does he mean? Well, by praying in front of others, they were hoping for what? People's admiration. Jesus says, well, guess what? They got their reward. People's admiration. In contrast to a public showy prayer, Jesus contrasts the child's prayer. He says, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father in secret. And then he says, the result of you just simply not wanting, uh, that you just simply want to be in your father's presence. You don't care what, who sees you or what else is going on. You just simply want to be with your father in heaven. Jesus says, what? He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, first to understand this, Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong to be seen praying, right? Uh, there are many times when we pray in public. The Bible is full of examples of men and women with public prayers in front of people. Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong to be seen praying, but that it's wrong to pray in order to be seen. And so Jesus says that when your desire is simply to be with your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven will reward you. Now, something about us just doesn't like rewards, right? We know that we're saved by grace. We cannot, therefore, do anything that demands from God that he pay us or reward us. But that's not the manner of reward that Jesus is talking about. C.S. Lewis speaks of two different types of rewards. Call them extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. An example of an extrinsic reward is prize money that you receive for a Halloween costume party. (laughs) That would be an extrinsic reward. In contrast, intrinsic rewards actually have connections with the deed that you're performing. Let me give you an example. At Indiana University, I played a lot of pickup basketball. And how pickup basketball works is that if you're on the court and you win, you're rewarded by being able to stay on the court and keep playing. But if you lose, you 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 got to walk off, get a drink of water, and then get back in line and wait your turn to be back on the court. That's an example of intrinsic reward. If you play well, you're rewarded by being able to play more. Another example can be seen between a man and a woman. The reward of a true and faithful love in marriage is a marriage where love grows and flourishes and prospers and deepens over the years. Jesus is is saying that, that there's a reward for prayer and that it's intrinsic. What is the reward of entering into prayer with your Heavenly Father? Well, you're rewarded with deeper intimacy with God. You're rewarded with a greater understanding of His will for you and for your life. You're you're rewarded with a deeper sense of peace and contentment that you otherwise would not have. When we pray the child's prayer, we're rewarded with seeing God meet our daily needs. We experience the reward of strong relationships that are rooted in forgiveness and grace. We experience the reward of not yielding to temptations and the reward of deliverance from evil. Talk about motivation for being a godly man or woman of prayer. Does understanding that there's intrinsic reward for your time in prayer cause you to desire to pray more and more? 
Let's finish by looking at the pattern. The Lord's Prayer, as we're calling it the child's prayer, is patterned into two parts. The first part is God-centered. The second part is us-centered. And each part is divided into three petitions. Petition number one, we pray to our Father in heaven that his name would be hallowed. The child's prayer begins with the desire that our Father in heaven would be revered and loved above all things. Hallowed be your name, Heavenly Father. Now, it's worth noting that hallowing and esteeming God's name in doing so, you're not declaring to God something that he doesn't already know. As if you're teaching God about himself. Hey, Father in heaven, you know, you're all powerful and mighty. You're sovereign over all things. Your, your love is the cure for all that, Ill, that ills this world and ails this word, world. Um, and I just thought you might like to know that. No, as John Calvin said, prayer does not inform God about things unknown to him. Rather, listen, rather, prayer rouses us to seek him. So by hallowing God's name, we are expressing to God, but also to ourselves, that there is none other upon whom we may thrust ourselves fully. Our Father in heaven is the only source of hope. And when we hallow his name, we remind ourselves of this great truth. In the second and third petitions, we pray for God's kingdom to come, that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you know, we might like to think that the so-called progress of mankind will somehow one day solve all of mankind's ills and fix things, everything within the world that troubles society. But the truth is, what this world needs is less of fallen man's rule and more of God's good and glorious rule on earth. Now, in Christ, God's kingdom has come. Jesus ushered in the kingdom with his coming to earth, in chapter 12 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said this. He says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And by the way, he casted out the demons. <laughs> Jesus exercises divine rule over creation. Demons are powerless against him. And Jesus elsewhere said, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus, the Son, the King, can set you free from slavery to sin and to death. Christ's kingdom has come. And yet, it isn't here in its fullness. We live in the already, but not yet. But one day heaven will come to earth, but only after all opposition to God's rule has been dealt with. For all who have trusted in Christ, though, we long for God's kingdom to come to become more and more of a reality here on earth, here and now. For we know that this is the only hope for the world. And so we pray to our Father that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done. 
you know, I don't know about you, but I need to pray this prayer daily. <laughs> for some reason, I have a tendency to, to focus and think and live more for my own kingdom than God's kingdom and his glory. How about you? Jesus knows this about us, though. And so he, he helps us to pray, not for our kingdoms, but for our Father's kingdom to come. And he gives us a prayer wherein we do that daily. So those are the God-centered petitions. And the next three are us-centered. Petition number four, we pray to our Heavenly Father, asking him to give us this day our daily bread. Now, the flow of this prayer is important, isn't it? It's only after that we have reaffirmed our longing and commitment to seeing the expansion of God's kingdom that we are now in a position to pray for our daily needs. It's amazing how our daily needs kind of shrink once we put our lives in perspective of God's kingdom, right? In praying for our daily needs, we're acknowledging from whom our sustenance comes. Our Father in heaven has all the resources to provide for all of our needs. And so we're to come to him daily and ask for his provision. And he will provide for all of our needs. But additionally, praying for our daily bread has a secondary benefit. It reminds us to do with less. And the church in America really needs to take this teaching to heart. We need to understand that the Lord does not promise to give us everything we've ever wanted, but he does pledge to meet the needs of his children. If we would but have eyes to see that our needs are being met by our Heavenly Father, then we would be freed up to use the abundance of our resources for his kingdom and his kingdom's purposes. Imagine how the longings of our hearts and our spending habits would be changed by praying this petition. We would stop looking for new fancy cars and lavish vacations for our satisfaction. Instead, we'd be simply satisfied with our daily needs being met by our Heavenly Father. Talk about rewarding. Contentment in all circumstances is one of the rewards of being a child of God. In petition number five, we pray that God would forgive our debts. See it in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right, so let's understand what we're to do here. See, food and clothing and shelter do not exhaust our most basic needs. In fact, they actually don't even top the list. We have an even more fundamental need than these physical necessities. Reconciliation with our holy creator, God. This tops the list. In short, we must receive forgiveness from God. For though we may have everything we need physically... It will not profit us on Judgment Day if we have not enjoyed the Lord's pardon. Now, Jesus isn't instructing us to forgive so that we will be forgiven by God. 
No, it's because we are children of God already that we are able to offer to others the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that we have received from our Heavenly Father already. See, the Lord who was teaching his disciples to pray would two years later go to the cross so that the very forgiveness they need, as well as you and I need, would be provided for. That through his death, that there would be atonement for our lives and for our sin. Jesus has provided that. We have now divine acceptance and pardon. And so as we pray this prayer, we are reminded of the abundant mercy of God towards us through Christ. This petition in the Lord's Prayer is meant to remind the children of God that we are to relate to all others as God has related to us. Are you one who delights in God's forgiveness and yet there's someone in your life, perhaps even close to you, someone you need to forgive? As we gather for the Lord's Supper in a moment, take time to let God search your heart for some forgiveness that needs to take place in your life. And then let God's grace towards you motivate you to love and forgive. You know, we know that our Heavenly Father is quick to pardon us, so let us be quick to pardon others as well. The sixth petition of this prayer has us imploring the Lord to not lead, a, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or more literally, uh, the evil one is in mind here. When we pray this prayer, this petition, we are asking God to help us to resist all temptations. And in doing so, we are confessing our inability to stand against Satan on our own. And we remind ourselves that we can defeat sin only if we stand firm in Christ and in his power. This is a petition that is intended more to keep our focus on our need for a creator than in asking him to help us to get out of things. After all, God never allows his children to face temptation that is impossible to overcome. In fact, in every temptation that we experience, the Lord has provided a way out, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But we cannot take advantage of an escape route if we're not looking for it. The surest way to failure is to look within ourselves for the power to resist sin. But I can tell you, that doesn't work for me. I don't think it works for any other Christian. The power within does not resolve our problem. Instead, we need to look outside of ourselves to Christ and allow him to help us in every temptation. By asking God continually to deliver us from evil, we become more and more aware of our need, and in the hour of need, we look for a way out. We become totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and we pray daily to be delivered from Satan's assault. You know, the Father may allow us to be tested in some way, but he always gives us a way out. And as we pray daily for God to lead us not into temptation, we are asking him that throughout the day we're trusting in him 
Because we know temptation comes at all times of day. We're trusting Him in that hour. We trust Him to lead us out. So that's the invitation. That's the reward. That's the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. As we enter into 2017, may this child's prayer be close to our hearts. Resolve to grow in prayer this coming year. Perhaps some of you have almost no prayer life at all. And you might be tempted to go from zero to 100 in like one day, right? (laughs) May I suggest baby steps? Prayer life is like an exercise program. It's best to start with low weight and uh, short duration. Perhaps as you resolve to pray, and maybe the Lord's Prayer is just where you begin, and that's something you just, I'm just going to do that every morning. Before you even get out of bed, before you reach for that phone so you can look up whatever that's so important, take time and just pray the Lord's Prayer in the secret of your own room and quiet before God. Allow that to be um, your rousing um, song in the morning, the Lord's Prayer. As you lie in bed, delight in God's invitation. Seek out the intrinsic rewards of meeting with your Heavenly Father. Unite your life to God's kingdom, if only for a day. Remind yourselves that that it is your Father in Heaven who provides for all of your needs. So you don't need to slavishly go out into the workforce, uh, confused and consumed with fear and doubt. You can trust in Him. Be reminded that your forgiveness is in Christ and commit each day to be a person who lives this forgiveness towards others as well. And surely ask God to lead you into victory over sin and temptation. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer for us, the children of God. In this new year, may we delight all the more to pray the child's prayer. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you once again knowing that you are the hallowed one. You are the one to be revered. In your hands, uh, this whole universe is held. You have power over all things. We're foolish to trust in anything else, even more so foolish to trust in ourselves. We thank you that your mercy and your grace is continual towards us um, because we need it. Help us this year to be better in prayer. May we seek you. Uh, May we be rewarded uh, and may we um, walk with great purpose because our lives are connected with yours. We pray, amen.